This is the second in our series, our Vision 2022 series, entitled For His Kingdom. Last Sunday, the subtitle was On Your Mark, and we talked a lot about Philippians 3.14, exactly what that means. <clears throat> and today, <clears throat> the subtitle is simply The Vision, because I'm going to share the things that the Lord's, I think, put on our plate for... Uh, next year, 2022, I want you to be excited about it and I want you to engage with it because the word says that where there is no vision, his people, you perish, the people perish. And that, that's why leadership is told in Habakkuk 2.2, write the vision, make it plain upon tablets that he may run who readeth it meaning there'll be no collective direction or momentum unless the vision is made clear. So this is something I'm required to do on a regular basis. You know, don't ever get tired of this time of the year. We devote four or five Sundays to uh, vision for the coming year. It's hugely important for you as an individual and absolutely essential for us as a church. Now, um, I've said before that people have occasionally made commentary about they get excited about the vision. They're just not very excited about the push or the pressure for people to be involved financially. They don't like to hear about money. Well, uh, you know, we will establish clearly from the word momentarily uh, that you can't be faithful to God without being faithful, first of all, with your finances. And that means getting involved with the vision that, you know, that God has set before us. Now, vision is a series of marks or intermediate goals and objectives leading to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's all a, a mark is. It's a short-term or a shorter-term part of the vision that will lead you, will lead us collectively to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's his highest and most perfect will for you individually or for us as a church. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now vision, however, begins on an individual basis. You can't participate meaningfully in the collective vision that God has for a church or a company of believers until you begin understanding the significance of vision in your personal life. Goals and objectives have to be set in every area of your life if in that area of your life you're going to move toward God's best for you. There are many different areas. We're a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. And so there needs to be goals and objectives set for each area that contributes to your life's experience. Spiritually, there are goals <clears throat> that will enable you to grow and mature in Christ and to receive things by faith that you wouldn't otherwise be able to receive. Faith is a growing process. It won't occur without setting goals and objectives for, for word time and for study and for prayer and time with the Lord. You know, and then basing your relationships on spiritual truths such as the love of God. You know, these kinds of things 
are only going to be the product of deliberate intention. Only going to be the product of your saying, I need to go here. I don't have the fruit I want to have in this part of my life. I'm going to set this objective or that. And it's, it's vital that you do this. Spirit, soul. Soul means intellectually and emotionally. I mean, if you're not controlling your thought life, your life will be miserable. You're to cast down vain imaginations, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And this involves setting some objectives every day in your thinking, in your thought life, and emotionally how you feel. If you're covered up with fear and worry and doubt, uh, if you don't have any peace, any joy, then there are some things you can do to change all of this. But it requires a deliberate uh, conversation with yourself saying, okay, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing too well here. What can I do, Lord? Help me set some progressive objectives that will enable me to change. In your body, you know, people come up all of the time for healing. That's good. You should. But the Bible doesn't say the just shall live by the gifts of the Spirit. Even though God will move uh, without regard to your faith or anything else from time to time because he loves you. He expects you to grow up and you will find that unless you receive something by faith, as you get older and older in the Lord, you're not going to get it because the just are to live by faith. So essentially, uh, you know, the, the process of faith means that you believe you're healed and then you put corresponding action to it. So there would be some objectives you need to set that contribute to your physical welfare, such as eating right, you know, controlling your desire for sugar like I do. Yeah. The only way I can control my desire for sugar, bad confession, but right now it's the truth, is not to have it anywhere around me and, uh, and get it out of the house. Plus, in Lynn eats it too. She acts real holy about it, but she eats her, she eats her fair share of sugar as well. So, no Halloween candy. I told somebody last week to buy, you know, a couple of bags of Halloween candy just so we have something to give out. And the person I asked said, "Baloney, you want it because you want to eat it." She knows me well. But at any rate. You know, you need to set some objectives about your nutritional intake. You know, there's some basic common sense things that people don't really apply, and then they get upset because their bodies are out of control, and it will contribute uh, to an unhealthy life. And of course, uh, you know, fitness is another consideration. There are objectives you set in every area of your life. Didn't mean to get this deep into that, but, you know, whether it's, any of these areas or body, that meaning this physical arena, vocational objectives, things that have to do with God's high calling for your life in terms of its identification and moving your life toward it. There are objectives that you need to set. You need to meet with your spouse. Talk about where you want your family to go. Not where you need to live, where you want to live. Things that you want for your family. God cares about that. What do you want financially? Here you go. 
Do you know that God would love for you to be wealthy beyond your wildest dreams and imagination? You should want to be rich and to have more money than you can use on yourself. Thank you for that amen. Until we get this message as the body of Christ, you know, we're going to see the world prevailing as they are right now in America. Secular thought reigns in our society in America because the church is too poor to compete. You need to be wealthy. Everybody in here needs to be rich. Not so you can consume it on your own lust, but so you can abound to every good work. And plus... Lord loves you. It says he gives you richly all things to enjoy. You can enjoy life and have enough money to abound to every good work. And if that were true of every person in every church, we would have had enough financial capacity to overcome the ridiculous stuff you see happening in the world right now. The solution to America's problems is for us to influence our society more than the secular humanistic voices that you hear influence American life. We should be the dominant influence. I got news for you. It's not going to happen unless you start abounding to every good work, which won't start happening until you start believing. I hear so many people say, oh, like holier than now. Oh, pastor, I don't need any more. I'm happy right where I am. Well, you selfish turkey, make some more and give it to the church. There's a lot to be done that requires financial capacity. Uh, you know, really, uh, you're getting a lot of good preaching for nothing here, but I didn't, I didn't really mean, mean to go here. But at any rate, so goal setting begins with you as an individual. And ultimately... If our collective high calling of God is going to be realized, which according to Mark 16, 15, is going into all of the world and preaching the gospel to every creature. That's what God wants for the church, for the body of Christ, universal, individually. You can't go into all of the world. You can't preach to every creature. But as the church, if everybody does their part, we can. We can absolutely change this globe before the end of this age. I know, you know, uh, most of us are looking forward to the end time revival, the outpouring of the former and latter rain together, the great harvest that's coming in will be a glorious event. But don't be backing off your personal responsibility and waiting for the Lord to take care of it someday. We are to occupy and to maintain right now the purpose of God in this earth. And so if our goals and objectives all should be measured in light of getting the word of God preached to the world that we're in, that puts us on the right page for our goal setting. You know, and of course, we saw last Sunday that the word gives us more definition of what this means by going into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. You're not to think in terms only of world missions and let your community go to hell. You're not to think in terms only of doing something in your community 
and ignoring the global need that's out there. Our vision collectively should enable us to impact every arena effectively. But this begins with you understanding that it starts, as we saw in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, with you making your capacity available to the Lord to elevate the platform of ministry to have more effect in delivering the Word of God to the world around us. It's exactly what Peter's boat did for Jesus. It gave him, it was a platform that gave him an elevated position to preach where more people could hear and respond to the word that he shared. Simplistic example, but an important one. Peter's capacity was defined in this natural arena. And that's where it begins. Don't get so spiritual, you don't uh, pay proper attention to your natural responsibility. It begins in this natural arena. That's where we live right now. And Peter provided his boat. We could say this demonstrates the, the truth that your capacity is going to have a financial definition. It's something we do in this natural arena to elevate the, uh, the visibility of the Word of God and its impact on the populace in this, in this world. And so that capacity is defined financially. That boat cost Peter something. If he wanted cash instead of a boat, he could have sold it. But that's what money is, a medium of exchange that represents the material world. Got enough of it, you can acquire whatever the world has to offer. Your goal should be to use your capacity to provide elevated platforms for the ministry of God's Word to go forth. And in the day we live, you know, a lot of those platforms are technological. A lot of them are digital that enable the Word to go into all of the world. A lot of different kind. Of, I'm on a platform right now that people had to make their capacity available for me to even stand here. True of any church. You know, there are ministry platforms that require transportation to foreign nations like the Falcon 50. But it is our willingness to use our financial capacity to provide elevated platforms for the ministry of the gospel that will produce, as we all make our supply, that will produce this collective capacity to preach the gospel into all of the world. Say amen to all of this. And it starts with your money. It starts with your money. And if somebody were ever to say to you, which I'm sure they wouldn't, I wish Pastor Mac didn't talk about money so much. I like to hear about the vision. Well, turn to Luke 16, 9 for a moment. Let me remind you of a truth that you already know because I've preached this many times before. This is the parable of the unjust steward in the first eight verses. And then, you know, uh, we hear this. I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. Now, mammon of unrighteousness isn't a term that means money is evil. It's just a commentary on the fact that there is no inherent good or evil in money. Simply depends on how it's used. 
But he's saying, use the power that money has to influence natural man, because it does. According to the Word of God, more than anything else, money will influence natural man and will become his God if he is not deliberate in how he manages it. And the Lord is saying here, use your money to make friends. I don't see any of the translations uh, interpret this the way I do, but basically you're going to have to judge for yourself. Go back to the original text uh, by looking at the old King James, which I think does a better job of that than more recent translations, which most of the time have a doctrinal slant to them uh, on the basis of who's funding that translation. I like the King James for that reason. It's written in the 1600s, and there weren't any doctrinal, uh, you know, bands, uh, drums to beat. But you can go back to the original text using the Strong's Concordance and make these kinds of identifications for yourself if you really want to understand the word. And he says, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. Use the power that money has to get friends. Now the word says, what fellowship hath light with darkness, the believer with the unbeliever? The answer is none. Your fellowship is to be focused on other believers because that's where hearts can be joined in agreement. Doesn't mean you ignore your secular relationships. Keep them in place. God may use you to bring them into the kingdom. Don't all of a sudden start isolating yourself from any unbeliever out there. No, we're not to do that. But what we're not to do is to have fellowship with them, a sharing of heart with them. And so if you're going to have a friend, they need to be a believer. A friend is one with whom uh, mutual trust exists so there can be a meaningful sharing or dialogue. And God can use you in their life. He can use them in your life. That's a friend. And so if you're to make believers who are going to potentially be your friends, it means to use the power of money to get people saved. This flows well with the balance of the verse because it says, when you fail, and if you have an indices Bible, you'll see that word fail means die. When you die, they, who? The people that got saved because you used your money to enable the preaching of the gospel, to elevate the platforms that the word of God was ministered from, and it reached them, and they got saved. You're not going to know who all those people are in this lifetime. This church reaches millions of people, and we're just one church that you make possible through your support of the preaching of the gospel. So these are going to be friends you've made that you probably won't even know about till you go home to be with the Lord. And it says, when you fail, they, these people that have been saved because you use the power of your money to get them saved, they are going to welcome you, receive you, or welcome you into everlasting habitations. This is what, what the word calls an abundant entrance. You are going to have a home-going parade the day you go home to be with the Lord if you've been faithful to use your money to get people saved. Say hallelujah to all of this. 
And then the next verse makes the point clear that if you're faithful in that which is least, he's calling this that which is least. This is the least of the responsibilities you have as a believer. To use your money to get other people saved. And he says, if you're faithful in that which is least, then you'll be faithful in much. You'll be faithful to serve physically with your time, with your talent. You'll be faithful to pray. You'll be faithful to go to church. You'll be faithful to love other people with unconditional love that will surround them with the presence of God. You'll be faithful in much. But it starts by being faithful in that which is least. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. So if you're not faithful in money, you're not going to be faithful to pray, to show up in church with regularity, to you know, love people the way you should, or any of the myriad of things that the Bible says we should be giving attention to in order to mature as a believer. Amen. Won't happen until you get it right with your money. Amen. And then when you do, the next verse tells us something pretty exciting. The next verse says, if therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Meaning money, that which so many people cling to, isn't even defined by the word as genuine wealth or riches. So what would the true riches be? Peace, joy, fulfillment, contentment, satisfaction with this life, good relationships, the love of God flowing out of your life and into your life. That's what makes a man truly rich. And he said, you're not going to be experiencing these things until you've been faithful to use your money to get other people saved. That's like something that breaks this carnal shell off of you that makes you want to hold on to everything. That'll rob you of your peace and your joy, your contentment, everything worth having. But when you get it right with money, you'll be walking with the peace of God, with the joy of the Lord, with the love of God. Your life will be worth living. Amen. All right, I'm done. I just want to share, I wanted to say that before I got into the marks, our vision for this coming year. Uh, I'm going to share that uh, as succinctly as I can, meaning I hope I don't get too um, wax too eloquent and take up all of Lynn's time. I know you wouldn't want that. So let me just say that in this vision campaign, 2022, we have set an overall goal of $3 million over and above. This means this has to be over and above your regular tithes and offerings because everything else has to go to uh, the, the sustaining of our capacity as a ministry to operate. We have an annual operating budget that has to be met uh, before we spend anything additional to reach further in the plan of God for us as this ministry. And so $3 million over and above tithes and regular offerings are given. 
And we break this down, break that three million down this way. I'm going to start first with this church and our community. And then work outward from there. But basically, um, I want us to begin by investing an additional $100,000 in our city, in Brooklyn Park. Through the Brooklyn Park Police Department and various social agencies that are focused on high crime areas and the really poor areas in our city. Now, we always do this, but we're going to crank it up to $100,000 for our community in this stewardship year. I want us to develop a volunteer center, not just because fewer and fewer people are volunteering. I guess it, it began with COVID and everybody being too afraid of COVID to come to church. And, uh, and that means fewer people to serve. But as I've shared in the past, it takes 1,500 volunteers to cover all of the things we do here on a weekly basis. That number is shrunk. I'm not interested only in increasing that number. I am interested in that. But also in recognizing the hard work and the effort of the volunteers that we have, I want us to build a volunteer center that opens onto the main mall hallway where volunteers can gather for coffee and discussion of the ministry of the day before a service or between services. It would be something that I, uh, I think would provide support, visibility, and recognition of what they do. And so that's the second thing. I want to invest 400000 and I don't have the time to break down how all of this money would be used, but 400000 into our digital footprint uh, in this city and in this world. Our digital ministry has tons of uh, potential that we're not tapping into. And so, you know, that 400000 is needed both for additional personnel as well as uh, equipping and uh, in order to be able to strengthen content website, social media, and to increase our influence regionally, nationally, and globally. 400,000 is not reaching for the moon either. This is just a basic start. You could spend a lot more than that to compete with what the world is doing. But one of the reasons social media is so dangerous is because it's controlled by the world right now. Secular thought, humanistic thought, worldly motivation, political agendas at the top of the list. I don't want to get sidetracked here, but, you know, we have to invest in it if we're going to be able to compete in a meaningful fashion. $100,000 for Living Word staff professional development. The more we develop our staff and their skill sets, the better they can serve our congregation and mission. We have 300 members on staff, and I want to continue hiring from within. As we have need to fill certain arenas of job descriptions, I want to be able to hire people that have been faithful here, not have to go to the world for that, and hire you know folks that we don't even know. Uh, but I think a step, step in that direction is to provide or to make an investment in professional development for our staff. 
there's fifty thousand uh, dollars required for reserve a reserve fund to mobilize the Living Words Rapid Response Team. You will hear more about that. We are partnering with the Billy Graham Association uh, to produce these rapid response teams in our community. Uh, Fifty thousand for that. And then, of course, uh, you know, there is 150000 uh, that I think is necessary in addition to our budget uh, to provide key events that aren't budgeted. Most of our guest ministry that we have here annually, and we have at least 10 a year, it's important that you hear from other ministry gifts outside what you get in this pulpit. And so we bring them in as a part of our regular budget. I pray about it, and I, f- I feel like the Lord, you know, directs me regarding their honorariums, what they should be giving, and that's budgeted. But there are things and events beyond that that I want to do, like marriage seminars. We haven't done a church-wide marriage seminar in a long time, something that's needed. Kids bash, gospel music nights, Christmas production, And we've got a presence seminar scheduled for next year that's not budgeted. Uh, And that's going to be April the 22nd, 23rd, or April 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th. Beginning on a Thursday night, uh, continuing through Friday, Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday morning. We're having some new faces that are nationally known. Uh, I don't know if you'll know them or not. They're not necessarily uh, just in the faith stream, but they preach the word and preach it well. Uh, You know, uh, should I announce any of these names uh, or is it too premature? Okay, uh, Heidi Baker is one of them that has already, has already agreed. And uh, there's some others that will be coming as well uh, for these days. And this is all extra. So, you know, we need to set a goal for 150000 for special events. And then uh, lastly, as it relates to this ministry or to our, mostly our immediate community, uh, the Winner's Minute has been unbelievably effective, unbelievable, you know, in terms of my view. So let's watch this for a moment. One might assume that 60 seconds is too short a time to accomplish anything. However, they'd be wrong. Hello, I'm Mac Hammond, and this is the Winner's Minute. In 60 seconds, you can take 10 deep breaths, hug a friend, do 50 jumping jacks, make a cup of tea, and tell a joke. Or you could receive nuggets of wisdom from the Winner's Minute. The Winner's Minute will orient your day with wisdom rooted in the timeless truths of the Bible. And those Bible-based nuggets of wisdom will help you succeed in your relationships, on the job, and at home. Well, they, they cut it off before it actually finished, but hey, this has reached, it will reach this year, over 11 million views. 11 million views. These are views. And, uh, you know, uh, KS, what's Channel 9 called? K, KMA. Okay, that's embarrassing. Don't, 
you need to you need to call this from the message in case they're listening but they have told us that we're their number one draw to their to their to their station and that well uh 92% of the homes in Minneapolis get touched by the winner's minute. Maybe not all at the same time, but they get touched by the winner's minute. And uh, KMSP, that's it, KMSP <laughs> Channel 9, you know, has been super good to us in our airtime costs uh, because that is a fact. And so I want the winner's minute to continue. I would like to expand the markets that we go into, but at a minimum, it takes $300,000 to sustain what we've got right now. So that is part of our uh, investment uh, in community and in our nation as well. So all of this in our community and in our church, these investments that I've just uh, put a number to, a financial definition to, comes to $1,200,000. Now aside from that, we also, and this is also for our community, our city, our state, we want to do an Adina Campus Church, which was part of our original vision a couple years ago before COVID locked everything down or had the uh, effect that it did on our community. Well, we're putting the Adina Church Campus plant back in our vision for this year, uh, and it'll be done with a hologram. I'm not putting... Uh, a, a pastor in there, it'll be this pulpit that is streamed to Edina, and it'll be as a hologram, uh, which is amazing. Somebody can be walking around, you know, transmitting from somewhere else and show up somewhere on a platform, and they look like they're really there. It looks like they are there in person, and you can't really even, uh, you know, tell the difference. So it's, it's fascinating to me then I can be preaching up here one Sunday and you don't know if it's a hologram because I'm down in Edina or I can be preaching up here and they don't know it's a hologram because I'm up here. It's interactive. I can make jokes. I can point at somebody and say, wake up, quit sleeping. I can do anything because it's interactive. I just think that's awesome. Amen. And it's important that I think we use these technological draws to bring people under the word. And once they're under the word, they, you know, they're going to be captured by the kingdom. And so this will be one of our goals for uh, 2022 is to get the Adina Church campus planted. That is an $800,000 expense to get it started up, to, to have a few months operation, and to have the hologram uh, as a keynote part of the technology. So 1.2 million that I'd already um, gone through with you, 800,000 for, uh, for the church plant uh, in Edina. And then that's 2 million. Of the 3 million, there is a $1 million goal that remains to do our crusades all over the world to provide the teams and the organizational structure to train people here. This hasn't got anything to do with the Falcon 50 financially. The Falcon 50 is covered. It's paid for. Uh, your generosity made certain of that. And uh, basically, you know, um, the challenge now 
is by the time we get the Falcon 50 finished, to have the teams in place, the strategy completed, uh, the cities selected that we're going to fly into, and I'd like there to be three of them for the coming, uh, for the first year after we get the Falcon 50 up and running, which is probably going to be seven, eight more months. Uh, I don't, that's a guess at the moment. Uh, I'm going to give you a little update on it uh, later in the service. Uh, but, you know, we need to train people here. We are going to be starting a Bible school with an emphasis on missions training as soon as we can. We are hiring people in, uh, in order to get this done and uh, putting teams together, identifying cities uh, that we have contacts in that we are around the world that we can you know, get into because we have feet on the ground already there that can coordinate with us and help us uh, arrange for the crusades and the, the street ministry we'll be doing. All of this preparatory work, the infrastructure that has to be built in order to use the Falcon 50 to take people to foreign cities uh, and the actual trip itself, if we take three of those trips, we estimate, and it's hard to nail it down for sure, but we would estimate that to be another million dollar cost. And so these are our goals for the coming year. Um, $3 million, a million two for our community and church arena. I'm going to pull in for another $800,000 part of the uh, vision we had for Edina as a campus church that never got fulfilled. And then we're going to do uh, the global church planning, providing all of the training and infrastructure to cover that. That's $3 million. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Just a drop in the Holy Ghost bucket. You can say that with me with a little more enthusiasm. $3 million. Just a drop in the Holy Ghost bucket. Amen. Amen. But none of this will be possible if we don't have the foundation of prayer. Whatever we do without calling on the name of the Lord, the Bible says we do in vain. And that's why it's important to me to give Lynn an opportunity to share what's happening in the prayer arena that you should consider being a part of. Thank you. Would you Hallelujah. welcome my beautiful wife? And in, in one of the services coming up, we're going to share, um, maybe next week, uh, all of the things that we actually did here this year. It, it's truly amazing. You, you didn't even know that we started three churches in South America this year. So... And, and so, you know, I mean, other things that, that are amazing, amazing things that happened this year. But I, one of the things that's happened is, well, first of all, I'm going to talk about prayer and about living word where prayer is concerned. Um, when we started the church uh, November the 2nd of 1980, we were, uh, Pastor Mac, we were just seeking the Lord for direction and guidance in the area of what we were to do here, the vision for the church. 
And uh, we, that was November the 2nd, in February uh, 1981, we went to the prayer seminar in, in one of Brother Hagin's meetings, and he prophesied in that meeting, and this is how we got the vision for prayer and make this a praying church. I just had someone tell me uh, they just moved to Florida, and they had to go 150 miles in Florida from where they were living to a big city, where they were living to find one praying church. This is what is happening in, in America, in, in Florida. This just one place. You, you just don't hear about us much anymore, praying in churches. But when, when Brother Hagen prophesied at that prayer seminar, he said this, some would say, our church is a singing church. Others would say our church is a word church. Some have said our church is a power church. But yea, saith the Lord, I am seeking for praying a praying church. I'm seeking for those that will wait upon me. For you never can sing like you ought to sing until you've waited upon me, saith the Lord. For you can never praise like you should praise. For you can never walk in faith to the extent that you would walk in faith until you've waited on me. Until prayer is as much a part of your being as breathing is for your physical man. You will never really enjoy the fullness of the word and the power will never be in full manifestation until you become known as a praying church. And so actually through the years, um, that's what happened is this has become known all basically all over the world as a praying church. Uh, we started with a prayer group at five o'clock in the morning in uh, 1981. And, um, you know, at that time there was such an upsurge of prayer. People, every, everybody prayed. I'm talking everybody prayed. So what happened as a result of that five o'clock prayer meeting, um, uh, uh, in a few years, about praying about two years, we began to release prayer leaders from that, from that five o'clock prayer meeting, um, to have their own groups. And, um, uh, in about, in about two years from that time, we had over 250 prayer groups praying here every single week. I mean, people were in every room, everywhere. You couldn't find a place hardly to go because there was so much prayer here. And our prayer leaders, they chose the subjects that they would want to preach on. And uh, we, pre we prayed for everything from the nations to missions to church families to the whole church to um, local government, state government, federal government. I, I mean, we were just all over the world and then in 1986 in our other building uh, it was so strong prayer was so strong that we dedicated a, a a big room to just pray for prayer and um I can remember some of us there would be three prayer groups in that room at the same time I don't know how we did that you know we didn't bother each other but there would be three, three prayer groups praying about different things in, in that one room. And so through the years, we have loved the assignment of prayer, teaching people to pray, uh, schooling people how to pray, and developing their relationship in the Lord. And so then in 2000, 
um, I felt really led in my heart to go to other churches, other cities, and to go internationally uh, with a vision for praying churches. And so that's what I started uh, to do. And so in, um, in 20, a little bit, 20 plus years, uh, we have developed relationships all over the world with prayers and, and churches that pray. It's been amazing. But one of the things I always had in my heart was that we would be able, I, I would be in a certain place. Like I remember one time in Singapore, I was saying, I wish these prayers here could know the prayers at Living Word. It, it was just an impossible thing. Well, you know, after COVID, um, there was heinous things, of course, that happened uh, during COVID. But <clears throat> one of the good things that happened for us was the social media platforms across the world changed. And we were able to do prayer conferences. We were able to connect with those people virtually that we had not been able to uh, before. And so we decided this year that we would launch a global prayer network, a global prayer community, global, make it global. And it would be a space where uh, people who felt a call to pray um, could connect with other people across the world. A, play, a place where people who would speak that heart language of prayer and they could connect and receive resources, uh, testimonies, prayer alerts, um, teaching on prayer. And so that's what we did. So we now have launched um, a prayermovement.com. And we would love you to be a part of that. So when we launched this, I had to have somebody that really knew the world, the internet, all the connections you needed, and how to do all of the things that we're wanting to do with prayer. And so I knew immediately the person that was to help me, and it was Pastor Ken Olson. You may know him. Pastor Ken came to this church um, when he was 20 years old. And uh, the past 30 years, he has held um, major leadership positions here at Living Word and has the same heart uh, that we do to develop people across the world in their relationship with God and um, just growing in their relationship with God. And um, so, um, Pastor Ken, why don't you come up? He uh, right now is uh, the pastor of our online church. And um, how, how many people do we have on, in our online church? Gosh, thousands that join us every weekend. Every weekend. Yeah. And also our members, members yeah. of Living Word. So, um, and so he's the pastor of that, and he does so many things. He was one of our first prayer leaders uh, when he was 20 years old. So... You want to tell them how to hook up? And yeah, absolutely. Well, I can't think of anything more relevant or timely for this time and then this generation than prayer. Amen? And uh, yeah, there are a number of ways that you can connect and participate in the prayer movement. Uh, you know, without a doubt, uh, God proceeds all that he does in the earth through prayer. And so he is calling people 
Each of us have a call or an assignment on us. It's not just for a few, it's for each of us to pray. And out ahead of every great move of God, historically and biblically, there has been a move of prayer. And that's exactly what God is doing in this hour and this time. If you'll listen in your heart, he's calling us. He's rallying people, not only here at Living Word, but across America and around the world. And this platform, I love what Pastor said about platforms. That's exactly it right there. He's raising up a platform digitally or online to bring people together to pray. And the, the potential is enormous to bring people together all over the world for the purposes and the plans of God that he wants to accomplish in this final time. Uh, Whether it's revival in the church, awakening in this world, or the great harvest of souls is yet to be brought in. God is pushing down on the accelerator of his purposes in this time for this time and this hour before he returns. And so there are a number of ways you can connect with the prayer movement. First of all, go to prayer movement, theprayermovement.com where you can find ways to be a part. First of all, subscribe. You can subscribe there by leaving your email address and you'll be ensured to receive updates. And Pastor Lynn's gonna have prayer points, uh, a number of things, including praying for the 1040 nations that's on her heart. We'll be sharing that there. You'll receive updates and resources. You'll be a part of a, a partnership, a community of people everywhere on every nation, in every nation, amen? We're journeying together, we're growing together, we're praying and being inspired to pray and answer that call and do what God's called us to do together as a community, uh, locally and globally. Secondly, when you go there, you'll find that there's a place for you to search for and join groups, prayer groups, both in person if you attend here locally at Brooklyn Park, or online. If you are part of our online audience, we love you guys. Uh, Or if you can't get here all the time, we're going to be building a repertoire of online or virtual groups hosted online. We've got our morning prayer already that's there, meets 8.30 uh, every morning in the chapel. I lead that typically. And uh, we stream that out across three different channels. And we reach actually thousands of people a week that way right now from all different nations uh, uh, across Europe and Asia and South America. People are joining us and they're hungry to connect. And so go there, search, find a group, and jump in and be a part. Our vision is for anyone, anytime, anywhere to be a part of prayer, virtually or in person. And then last but not least, I believe God's dropping it in people's hearts to start a virtual group. So when you go there, you'll find more information and next steps as to how you can start your own virtual group and uh, join with others around the world to pray online. We'd love to hear from you and, and would love for you to be a part. Amen? Thank I mean, you. If you, just have, if you just have a friend and you and that close friend have something in their heart that you want to pray about, you can start just meeting with that friend and praying about whatever it is. God wants prayer everywhere. And right now, there is such an upsurge of it. Never have we seen uh, such an upsurge. Uh, we have a young man that is in college. He's 18. He's on TikTok. And he has... Um, uh, uh, prayer meetings on there. He has 114,000 followers. And one of his last prayer meetings, he had a million hits. So it's happening, folks. We would love you to join us. Thank you. Praise God. Amen. Thank you all both. Thank you all both. Praise the Lord. Well, you know, prayer, of course, is foundational to anything we do. If we want God involved, then, uh, you know, that's the only way we'll succeed, then it has to be through prayer. And, of course, aside from the supernatural, 
contribution of the presence of God to whatever it is we are praying about and whatever it is needs to be done, you can see the natural connections as well. Because in every city that we go to in our church planning vision across the world, we've got to have people there on the ground that are connected with us that can be our, our hands and our feet in that nation until we actually get a team in place that will begin the process of starting a church. And of course, if we have prayer groups all over the world that are praying about these very things, those people oftentimes will become uh, the connections physically for us in order to take literally the church to that, that particular part of the world. So, you know, I just see this being an absolute essential to the accomplishment of anything we want to do. If you're not involved in a prayer group, then I would suggest that you, that you reconsider and get involved virtually, if not in person. Well, that's the vision for 2022. I want you to take it to heart. Amen. And we will be talking more about all of these things, but right now we're going to receive our morning offering. If you haven't prepared your offering yet, take a minute, do that now. If you're in here, if you're in the sanctuary, then there are envelopes on the seats in front of you for your convenience and our record-keeping needs. And if you're online, it's just as important that you participate in this part of the service. You can see all the various ways you can give right there on your screen. Text to give, going to our website, mailing your gift to the address shown on the screen, or just dropping it off when you come to, come to see us sometime. Uh, but basically, um, before we receive the offering, I want you to see what's happening with the Falcon 50. Got a few snapshots of that, and you know... I get an array of photographs and videos every week to, to pick from, and uh, a lot of it, you know, you get the airplane torn apart, I don't know what I'm looking at. How are you going to know what you're looking at? Uh, but let's, let's take a, a look at some of these, these pictures that they'll show. Now, this is a shot uh, right from the entrance way uh, up into the cockpit area, uh, and, of course, there's some cabinetry on the right side. But it's, that's the present cockpit. There's an, another better picture somewhere else. But I want you to see what the final cockpit will look like when we're done. That will be the new uh, highly digitized, you know, uh, technological stuff. All of the new innovations will be in there for international travel. Uh, the next picture shows a little bit of the interior Looking backwards from the cockpit area, that was the cabinet you saw a moment ago. There on the left, looking back through the, uh, the interior of the airplane, which is completely gutted. And, uh, you know, there's lots of pictures of little pieces of equipment and whatnot that are uh, revealed by uh, that interior being removed that I left out because I don't even know what, what it is. This is a picture looking the other way from the back up through and it's literally stripped down to the wiring bundles and all of the different uh, kinds of equipment that are covered, uh, you know, by the interior when it's in. And then the last picture just shows you another external shot, uh, all of the engine uh, stuff that's being done that you can't really see, but the, uh, there is no landing gear. The airplane is supported by jacks, 
because that's been taken out and removed and they're stripping the wings now. The other wing is pretty well stripped to nothing uh, in order to do the work in it. And so we're making good progress on it. Thank you for your, uh, your participation in this project and we'll keep you up to date on, on our progress, which I believe is going to coincide. You can take the pictures down now which I believe is going to coincide with the, uh, you know, all of the infrastructure that needs to be put in place in order to go ye into all of the world, in order to actually fly teams of people into different cities and plant churches. But thank you for your financial support in every way that makes this possible. You know, one of the things that I've shared before uh, we've got a lot on our plate right now that falls in the category of over and above giving. Uh, we just, you know, invested $1.6 million of over and above giving, money that's already been given, into the uh, preparation of the Falcon 50 for its new, uh, you know, place in life, however you want to frame that. Uh, but, you know, there are things that have to be uh, done just to sustain our ministry on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's why your tithes and your offerings are so important to us, your regular giving that isn't designated to one purpose or another. Uh, we have to meet that budget before we can do anything beyond it. And we always have, uh, thanks to, to your generosity. So with the anticipation of all that is coming, I encourage you to continue your giving to make this ministry possible and uh, at, at least in terms of what we are now uh, as we reach forth into that which lies before. Thank you so much.